The Michael Hatfield Remax team presents Real Estate and More. Bay Area real estate is different than in all of America. And why? What's up with home buyers? What's on sellers' minds? How is the market? And much, much more. Now, here's your host, Michael Hatfield. Well, good morning and welcome to the Real Estate and More Show. I'm your host, Michael Hatfield. Today, it's about escrows and title. We're going to talk about these two important aspects of a buy-sell transaction most folks just take for granted. Have your notepad and pen ready. It will come fast and furious. We are most fortunate this morning to have on our show today a very nice person, a true professional I've worked with for more than two decades, a senior escrow officer. I regard her as the best of the best. And welcome to the show, Miss Debbie. Good morning. Good morning to you. You're always looking so peachy. Even if it's early in the morning, uh, we come in for a deal or whatever, you're always looking like a million dollars. Thank you so much. <laughs> you're welcome. I would like to caution our listeners that not I nor our guests today are lawyers or CPAs, nor do we profess to be. The information you hear today is provided in the interest of discussion. An interesting topic, nevertheless. Before you take any action in real estate, consult your own professional for advice as is appropriate. How long have you been an escrow officer, uh, Miss Deb? I've been in escrow for over 25 years. Only 25. Maybe a little more. Yeah, and she's 30 years old too. <laughs> so uh, that's, a, that's a good trick. I don't know how she does it. <laughs> and what about it do you find the most challenging? Every transaction in escrow is different. So one transaction you close one day will be very different from another transaction you close on a different day, even though they're both sale transactions. Mm. And why would that be? Why would they be different? You have different parties involved. You're dealing with different types of homes. You're dealing with homeowners associations sometimes. So most all times, right? Most all HOAs, times. Yeah, yeah. Love them. And those agents. You're always dealing with those agents, right? Correct. In the There's middle of it. Lots of parties to our transaction. Yeah, yeah. As a senior escrow officer and a team leader, how many assistants do you actually oversee on a daily basis? Currently, I have one assistant and um, a couple assistants offsite. In the peak of the market, I had up to seven assistants on my team. Yeah, a lot. I think you're like in this brand X title company or escrow company, I think you're like number three of a team. Is that right? Our team is in the top five to 10% every year um, nationwide. Wonder why that is. You think it's uh, leading by example. I have to tell you, uh, many deals um, always can reach Miss Deb, and she's always there to help during the transaction. And most people don't even realize how important that is in order to keep both sides, because both seller and buyer are always kind of nervous. You know, it's the biggest purchase the buyer has made. It's a, it's a, one of the if not the largest asset that the seller is going to sell. So both sides are a little bit kind of there and uh, it's always good to have a real professional in the middle and that be you, my friend. Thank you very much. What is the difference between title insurance department and the escrow department? Title insurance actually handles the policy. They do the search on the property and determine 
what's going to attach to that property and items that we in escrow need to clear. Escrow is the neutral third party that sits between the buyer, the seller, the realtors, the mortgage broker, and we're the handlers of the funds. Ah, so you're you're next to the bank before everyone else, right? <laughs> a little bit. We're, we are the money handlers. <laughs> Can a party to a home purchase have escrow service uh, with one company and then have title with another company? Um, that's very common in Southern California. Um, you do have separate title and escrow companies, but in Northern California, it's mostly handled through one company. Um, I have had transactions where I've done the escrow and and the title was elsewhere, but it's not very common. And it's not very fun either, you know, because you don't know the parties and trying to coordinate it for all of the clients can be, be kind of tough. Absolutely, absolutely. We want, we want to be able to see both sides of that transaction, both side the title and the escrow side. Mm-hmm. And there's some places, some states, they don't even have an escrow type uh, company there. They use attorneys, I believe, in some states such as Illinois. Correct. Back east, it's very common for everyone to sit across the table from each other to close this transaction. And it's done with an attorney and buyers and sellers gather at the table and everything is passed across that table on that day. Mm, and I think that it's it's not as desirable as having a professional that knows what she is doing or he is doing every day work in the middle of that transaction. That's been my experience personally doing deals out of state. I believe so. Yeah, you have attorney, one attorney is not as good as another attorney. Of course, it's that way in escrow business, but generally speaking, they're focused and and really ready to do a good job, especially uh, with Brand X company that that you work for and and you've uh, led by great example. Thank you. Yeah. Well, let's jump into escrow. What are the ways in which an owner may vest his or her home? There are a handful of options. First, we determine marital status. So if it's a party that's a single party, an unmarried party, um, we have to establish that type of vesting. And then we also have to figure out how they want to own that property, joint tenancy, tenants in common, community property, community property right of survivorship. Um, Everyone has a different reason for vesting the way they vest. Um, And then we're also dealing with trusts, limited liability companies and partnerships. So we provide a vesting instruction to our buyer so that they have information and then we can speak with them as far as what they think is best for them. Yeah, for sure. You know, a lot of uh, buyers, they come to us, especially first time home buyers, they don't even have a will and a trust. And it's really important um, in the environment that we do business in, in, in California to have a trust so that you won't have, in the event that your demise, you can have your proceeds or your property go to the people you wish it to without uh, the local probate authorities having their hands in it and taking a lot of that money. Is that right? Absolutely. Um, Because even if you own property together as a joint tenant or a community property with right of survivorship, God forbid if something happens to you together, then the property is going to probate. So a trust agreement will prevent that from happening. Yeah, I just did a... um, a, um successor trustee and I was the uh, the person in that for seven different beneficiaries it took uh, about a year and a half to get it closed up but it was it was a handful and fortunately the documents were very much straightforward and a great trust attorney to assist in that happening and in the future I'm 
note to myself, I'm going to have to get a, a trust attorney to come on this program and back up everything you say. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> what exactly is escrow? I mean, you touched on it a moment ago, but let's let's think about how that mechanics works. What happens first with uh, how an escrow is opened, uh, maybe a pre-escrow? Absolutely. Um, sometimes we get a pre-sale, so our realtor meets with their seller and they open a transaction. They want to see what's happening with that property prior to it going into full contract. So we run a title search and we view that search and determine what the next steps are as far as how to provide clean title to the buyer when they come aboard. Um, we handle all the money. We're the neutral third party between all the parties. So we make sure that all invoices are in the system. We make sure there's meeting of the minds. So as we get our contract into escrow, we go through it and speak to both sides of the transaction and make sure that everybody's on the same page. So your contract becomes part of my instructions. The lender's loan documents become part of my instructions as the invoices that come in. So we want to make sure that everybody is covered and on the day of close, everybody is paid out and everything happens the way it's supposed to happen in accordance with what the buyer and the seller expect to happen. And then once it's happened, the new buyer has the grant deed in exchange for their hard-earned down payment and the loan funds that come in. Now, I noticed recently there's a uh, a new part to the California Residential Purchase Agreement that talks about how the earnest money deposit is placed into escrow. You want to enlighten our listeners on that, please? Yeah, absolutely. It used to be back in the day that you would get a check for that earnest money deposit but checks aren't used very often anymore. Um, so we tend to see wire transfer, um, sometimes cashier's checks, but your contract dictates what those funds can be. There's a portion of the purchase agreement that states that it can be X, cashier's check, or if nothing is checked off in that box, it's a wire transfer. People are really afraid of wire fraud, but the title company really walks you through or walks the buyer through getting those funds to escrow. The instructions come secure. They We ask that the buyer contacts us so we can read back the instructions. So we're very cautious um, with those buyer's funds coming in. And then they set up the wire transfer. As soon as those funds are received, they are notified that the funds have made it to escrow. And we notify both of our agents and transaction coordinators and lender that the funds have made it to escrow. And that, my friends out there, is one of the key reasons you want to find someone like uh, Debbie here to run your escrow is because she's constantly in touch with the agents that are involved in the transaction. Now, this transaction, it used to be when my mother was selling real estate, she was a big broker, you know, mm -hmm. that it was a one-page document that was legal size and it was caused, called a uh, deposit receipt. Now, that same residential purchase agreement is 16 pages. Correct. 16. And it, yeah, and then it has... Um, on top of that, it has the advisories, the acknowledgements, and the disclosures. And disclosures can come from any number of directions. So disclosing might be from the seller to new buyers. Disclosing could be from the state of California to the buyer and seller or separately. It could come from the actual county. 
but it's always there to be a part of the transaction as is uh, put together by the residential purchase agreement. So it's a lot different now with the 16 pager and the associated disclosures and advisories and acknowledgements. And you've got to be really familiar with that, don't you? Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, my realtor experts put together the contract and get it signed. But it's my job to go through and make sure that we get all our questions answered regarding that contract. Ah, uh, when you say your your realtors, am I not one of your? You are absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding here. A little self-serving there. <laughs> what are the key elements um, of an escrow where you can discover if it looks like there's going to be a problem or whether or not it's going to be smooth or not? What key elements, being an experienced 25-year-old, 25-year-old and 25-year <laughs> veteran, what key elements are you paying particular attention to to see if there's or sense if there's going to be a problem with it? Well, we love the pre-sale because the title report comes in and we can review it ahead of time. We are looking to see that taxes are paid. Are there any outstanding taxes? Are the are the parties that are in that listing agreement the parties that are selling the property? Because sometimes you'll have a husband and wife on title, and unfortunately one of the parties has passed. So I get a listing agreement and it only has one party, but my title report has two parties. So at that point, it gives us an opportunity to request our necessary death certificates or documentation that we need. If we're looking at an LLC or trust, it gives me an opportunity to get those documents into escrow and get them reviewed so that title will be ready to ensure when we get a buyer. We read through the the actual title report itself. Are there any liens, judgments? We're looking for mortgages, of course, and our realtor experts will tell us property is owned free and clear. You shouldn't see a mortgage. If I see a mortgage, it gives me an opportunity to find out why we're still seeing that mortgage. It gives us an opportunity to reach out to that lender on that mortgage and clear that item before you end up with a buyer in that transaction and a 30-day close. Mm. You know, it's it's interesting. Uh, the, the transactions that we do today in what I would consider to be a thin market, meaning that it is a seller's market, but we have a lot of the same number of buyers that pretty much as we do sellers. And so in a thin market, there's less transactions year over year. In a thin market like this, it's really important to realize that we want to keep both the buyer and seller very calm throughout the process. And this is where a 25 year old, 25 year veteran does such a great job, wouldn't you say? Well, it's so important because like you said, this is the biggest purchase that people will make in their lifetime and sometimes on the sale. And it's very, people, it can be very traumatic. Sometimes you have death, you have loss, people are giving up. Sometimes their family homes. Sometimes it's children selling their parents' home. So it's very important to keep everybody calm and to keep everybody informed. And sometimes even if you don't have an answer for something, if they if you go back to them and let them know that you're looking into it and you will get back to them, they just need to know that you're on top of their file. They need to feel like it's the only transaction you're handling at that time. Absolutely. Communication is is really key Absolutely. and people are, are really key. And, and knowing you as I have for a number of years professionally, I know that you care about your transactions and the people that are involved with it. We have um, 
we've had a gentleman on here that's um, I think he's done very well in life and and he's he always greets people always hi how you doing um, and when I had him on the show I said Marty I said, seems like you know you've been so successful in everything you've done. He's had a an unfinished furniture business. He raises and breeds Arabian horses. They have a real estate, um, commercial real estate buildings that they own. You've been so successful. What's the key? And he says, I just love people. <laughs> That's what he said. He says, I just love people. I I think you're a lot of the same kind of deal. And I says, well, what happens? Uh, you know, on a normal day. He says, I'm walking down the street and I see someone and they've got a decent smile and they're not looking at their cell phone. Mm -hmm. I say, hi. I says, what if you're walking down the same street, you see somebody that you don't really like? He says, I don't walk down that street. <laughs> <laughs> He's just that kind of a guy. Well, back to this. Mm -hmm. um, escrow instructions. You touched on those a few moments ago. Mm -hmm. well, how do they show up in the transaction? It's like, you hear escrow instructions, but really, what are they? Are they actually written out? They're written out. It's a culmination of all the information provided in the transaction from all the parties involved. So we make sure that there is, again, meeting of the minds, that what is in the contract matches what the lender has down. The purchase price should match. The loan amount should match. We should have our correct parties executing. So our lender's instructions are bilateral. They're signed by both buyer and seller. Mm -hmm. And we want to make sure that everybody's in agreement to all the information that's been provided to us. Very good information here. I, I know that uh, sometimes um, a seller will open a pre-sale escrow. Mm -hmm. But are there other ways? to open an escrow? Yeah, you can absolutely open an escrow when you have your buyer. So sometimes it's a fully ratified contract. We don't have a pre-sale. The contract gets signed by the buyer and it's open when I have a buyer and seller at the same time. So we, at that point we run the title report and it's the same as if we had the pre-sale and we have title search it and we are then dealing with the same items that are showing up on that report very good you're just a wealth cornucopia of knowledge <laughs> you know, if i have a question guys and even after being in the business as long as i do or nancy one we we rely heavily on our experienced uh, senior escrow officer to come up with an answer or point us in the right direction so i i can't say enough about uh, these people that are oftentimes behind the scenes uh, not often talked about or bragged upon, but uh, we're talking about them and we're bragging upon them right here this moment while you're learning about what goes on with an escrow and in title insurance. Title insurance, what is title insurance anyway? Can you define it? Title insurance protects the buyer and if we have a loan on the property, protects the lender. There's two types of policies. There's an owner's policy and a lender policy. Um, and the purpose really for our buyer is to protect them from hidden risks. So everything that we see on a title report is what's a public record. But there could be things that are going on behind the scenes that can show up after an escrow closes. Um, was there an erroneous deed? Did somebody sign a deed in a previous transaction under duress? And those types of things are covered under title insurance. So when I get the question, do I really need title insurance? Absolutely, because no one knows about those things until they come up. Hmm. And they definitely, title insurance will definitely protect you 
regarding those items. Well, you know, it wasn't, it seemed like, maybe I'm wrong looking back in my memory bank, but it wasn't always to where the owner's uh, title insurance was separate from the lender's title insurance. Is that correct? Back years and years ago? At one time, you may have seen it disclosed in a lump sum, but over the years that is definitely separated into two. Um, when you're purchasing, if it's purchasing all cash, you'll only see an owner's policy, but um, in, in refi transactions, you'll only see a lender's policy. Um, the owner's policy covers the owner for the lifetime that they own that property, so they won't buy that again. Um, so you will now see definitely two policies. Uh, uh, it's, it's really important. Uh, I know that there for a while that it was uh, okay if a, a buyer did not want to buy owner's uh, title insurance, we always advised them, you need to do this because it protects the buyer from those unknown risks that we're talking about. If you buy title insurance for a lender, which is required if you have a loan on the property, then that doesn't protect you, the new buyer, it only protects the lender, right? That is correct. Just and tell me if I'm wrong, I no, know you, you will. You- you're absolutely correct. And sometimes people will see the cost of the title insurance, the owner's policy, and the lender's policy, and they'll be under the impression that if they waive the owner's policy, the lender's policy stays at the price that it is. But that really isn't the case. Um, the owner's policy is the larger policy. The lender policy piggybacks on that owner policy. So if you waive that owner policy, the lender's policy goes up in cost um, because it's no longer a part of a package. Um, so the savings isn't really that great to waive that owner's policy, but the liability for that buyer on the largest purchase that they'll make in their lifetime is definitely not worth definitely not worth the risk. Absolutely. I totally agree. Hey, how much does title insurance cost? I mean, give us a wag, you know, a guess, not a guess, but a broad estimate. How about you know, that? it's just going to vary um, because the liability of that policy is based on the sales price. So somebody that buys at 400000 is going to be much less than somebody that buys at a million, too. Um, so it can vary. Absolutely. Um and somebody taking a loan versus somebody that's not taking a loan. So that title insurance policy will vary. So maybe a million dollars, it would be lender's title would be just... Maybe the combination of the two will be a total of somewhere around maybe six, maybe $5,000 somewhere in there to cover the lender and cover the owner. Uh-huh. And those are paid for, generally speaking, by... Uh, customarily, it's paid for by the buyer. Um, it, it does vary in some counties. Um, some of the counties have different customary fees, but what I tend to see the realtors do is go with what's customary in that county. Um, things are negotiable, and I have seen a move to the other side of the transaction, but usually the realtors in the county will know for the counties what's normal. Ah, exactly. All righty. Well, um, my next question is, let's talk about a very simple question for you. What is a deed? <laughs> I've had more people ask me, you say deed, what is a deed? People confuse deed with deed of trust. So your deed or grant deed is what physically transfers the property of public record from our seller to our buyer. Um, the deed of trust is a security instrument. So in our normal transactions, we'll see a grant deed and we'll see our deed of trust if there's a loan. Once in a while, we are dealing with, like I explained, death of party. So we might have a 
affidavit of death that we're dealing with, and that's a type of deed, it's a transfer. Um, we might be dealing with an interspousal deed. So you might have a husband and wife that are married, but maybe the wife is not going to go on title to this property. So she will sign an interspousal deed and we'll record that concurrent with our grant deed. That'll transfer the ownership interest from the seller to the buyer and then their deed of trust if they have one. Ah, very well said. Deed of trust, uh, it's a security instrument. And briefly, can you just give us a little information about that one? I know you can. Absolutely. <laughs> um, it is not a vesting document. It cannot change ownership to a property. It is just putting your loan of public record so that anyone that comes along when you sell that property can see that there is a loan on there to make sure that loan is paid off and cleared. Ah, very good. Now, since Dodd-Frank, which was an act that came in after the recession in 2009, 10, around in that, mm -hmm. they came in and they have these new requirements. Uh, they came in with new requirements. And now lenders uh, have to have closing disclosures, I think. Yes. What, what are closing disclosures? And sometimes they call them CDs. When an escrow is open, almost right away after a buyer is obtained and they have their lender, I get a request for fees. So they want my fees and they have to gather up their fees. They usually send their buyer a CD or closing disclosure in the very beginning of the transaction so the buyer is aware of what those costs coming down the line are. Um, at the closer to the end of the transaction, there is a updated closing disclosure. So maybe your buyer has now decided to take impound accounts, or maybe they've decided to pay points. They want to buy down the rate. So the initial closing disclosure that comes out at the very beginning of a transaction may not be exact to the closing disclosure that comes out at the end of the transaction. That closing disclosure is usually given to the buyer three days before loan documents will be released to the title company. It gives the buyer an opportunity to review those fees prior to getting a full set of loan papers in escrow right before close. Amazing. You, you see why we we um, talk highly of Miss Debbie? She is the authority on this stuff and she <laughs> knows it. Now you mentioned interspousal transfer. Let's talk about that from the viewpoint of generating ad valorem taxes. Okay, you do an interspousal transfer, quite often it doesn't generate any uh, tax by the tax collector, right? Yes, there is no reassessment if there's an interspousal deed. So even if escrow closes in the name of a husband and wife and the tra transaction closes, if the wife comes off title after the fact, there's no reassessment. The county does not reassess between spouses. Ah, very good. And it also happens if you were to put your property into a trust. Correct. That happens all the time, correct? Correct. Yeah. Um, and also if you're putting it in an LP or an LLC, as long as you're the owner of the LP and LLC and can prove to the county that you're the owner, then they can transfer that property. Do you actually have people that try to um, fraud escrow with um, saying that they own properties. Is this something that actually happens that you know about? We are, They've heard about. Yeah, we're most concerned about non-owner occupied properties because there's no one there to receive information. So what we have now implemented is if a non-owner occupied property is listed for sale, we will go ahead and send out a letter to the 
owner of tax record. So you may have a property on Smith Street, but if you live on Jones Street, according to the county assessor's office, a letter will go out to you on Jones Street to make sure your person, are you really selling this property that you're not living in? So we are very cautious about that, making sure that the right parties are transferring property. Well, folks, we've just scratched the surface regarding details in an escrow. Like with having an experienced realtor represent you, so very many important actions occur behind the scenes during a home buy or sell. One important action is the picking of a great, experienced escrow officer. It's time for a short break. You've been listening to Real Estate and More. Interesting people, topics of the day, and of course, real estate. I'm your host, Michael Hatfield. We'll be right back for more about escrow and title with our special guest, Miss Debbie. Stay tuned. 